cruel incisions cut by failed intentions or the apathy of attempt. Something funny happens when you scream nothing into nothing. Breathe hate. Fill your lungs with loathing for your fellow man as you sweat fear out of your ugly face and stain your worthless materials with the filth of ignorance leaking from your already shallow mind almost empty. Spit on the ground. Believe nothing. Hate your life as you boast to others your love for it simultaneously. Kill. Slay the slightest glints of life, the faintest rays of light, and pump darkness from the shadow of the light burning from those who will try, who still try. It has never been about any action or individual. It's collective, the human spirit, and fueled by genuine emotion. That must be how young Bruce Wayne felt when Uncle Ben shot his parents. What a nothing week this has been. I try and remember what I did, but there isn't really anything to remember because I didn't really do anything and I didn't really have any good big major ideas or thoughts or anything, really. Had some trapped sadness. Few moments where I felt like I wanted to cry. Few moments where I felt a little bit manic. I think my favorite thing about this whole pandemic and this year and everything was there were a lot of people who finally got to experience, or at least had the opportunity to understand what depression is like, how it feels to always feel as though you're trapped, you can't go anywhere or do anything, and you don't have the energy to, even if you wanted to, or were going to make yourself try to do something, and you wouldn't have anything to do or anywhere to go anyway. I appreciate the opportunity for the empathy or understanding, but I do feel bad for people that had to experience that, that aren't emotionally equipped to experience that. I feel bad for anyone that had to deal with people like that as well. I don't need to tell anyone how hard this year has been any more than... Anyone should need or want to listen to someone talk about it. We all know. Even if we haven't been sharing that part of it with each other, we've all had to go through it, and we all know. And it's going to be okay, eventually. I don't know when. But at some point, it will be. Either we'll make things good again, or we'll get used to this level of shit. But no matter what... It's going to be okay. It always has been. It always is. Always will be. At least as long as we're around for it to be. We're like the tree in the forest. If nobody's around to hear us... 
I've been meaning to and wanting to work on my resume for months now. And I thought of a new term, a qualification, I'm going to need to add to it. Right underneath Sacred Clown, I'm going to be adding Garbage Prophet. When I was a kid, my favorite thing to do was to drive around in the truck with my dad, listen to him talk, look out the window, and just let my mind wander. One of the things that he told me about one time was this man. And this man was able to not be seen. Whether he was laying or sitting in a way that he looked like a rock or a pile of garbage, or he was moving and doing so at such a slow, steady speed, with such a specific directionality and movement with energy and intention, all so practiced and so precise so that he almost he almost seemed to trick our eyes as much as our attention into just not being aware of him being there my dad told me about this guy a few times he would go on these lengthy descriptions about how he moved, how he did this, and how most people probably didn't see him, and finally one day he took me to see him. I was so impressed. Not only had my dad described him so perfectly that it actually matched up with the way that I had imagined him, but it was every bit as good if not better than that actually seeing this man that was able to do this this isn't some special skill that people would think about or even if people did notice him that they would admire him for anything most people would just be like oh there's a homeless man there but knowing the amount of experience the amount of time, the amount of ability and attention on his part to master being able to achieve looking like a rock or a pile of trash, of being able to move without being seen. Even as a kid, I was able to appreciate and envy that. I think that's where I got that quality from, it's probably one of the things that inspired me to develop, if not completely instilled, my own ability to have what I now call my art of invisibility. Where I'm able to just avoid attention if I want it in certain situations, to simply not be seen at certain times. And yeah, the other side of that is I do get overlooked at times, but 
Sometimes that's better. And most of the time, that's a price I'm willing to pay for that ability. But this man by the side of the road, not only was I impressed by him and what he was able to do, that he had such focus and ability for something so seemingly unimportant, but it also made me appreciate and also instilled my eye for that perception for being so open and aware to things that are just trash on the side of the road to a lot of people or something too slow to even notice or just the type of things that only like a garbage prophet would be able to pick up on. My dad was very good about that stuff. He was always able to find, at the very least, silver linings, if not turning shit to gold and just creating that dynamic, that artistic eye and such a large part of my personality that I value. And I don't know if I just inherited that from him or if it was because I was exposed to it and I enjoyed it and I really analyzed it and studied it and wanted to be that way that I ended up finding that myself. But whatever the case, I am very grateful to have that and... If it comes with the other side of being as cynical as I am, I think that it's worth it. Another notable garbage prophet, of course, would be Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street. And my favorite, Diogenes the Cynic. I mentioned him last week, and... My dad was also the one that told me about him. There are a few stories that he's more well-known for. He's known for being the founder of cynicism, which in that time was what cynicism really actually is. It's not some shitty negative thing, but it's an observational tool. It's a method of thinking, observing, analyzing, and being critical and although he is credited with that, he also is rumored to have been just a total bum, just living in complete filth and poverty right down in the town square for everybody to see him. He lived in a, like, giant ceramic jar right down there where everyone could see just what a poor, filthy, gross person he was physically, and he tried to balance all that out with his mentality and personality and if the stories are true I think he did a good job of doing that the first story I heard about Diogenes still one of my favorites what made me like him other than just being a filthy old cynical man was that Alexander the Great had heard about him and was a fan and came to see him and to offer him a favor. 
to give him probably anything he wanted, and Diogenes simply replied, Get out of my sunlight. Because he had been laying in the sun, and that was all that he was wanting. And Alexander had come and stood in his sunlight. Alexander replied, If I were not Alexander, then I should wish to be Diogenes. If I were not Diogenes, I would still wish to be Diogenes, Diogenes replied. He's also known for walking around during the day with a lantern, searching for an honest man. And when Plato jokingly one time said that men are simply featherless bipeds, Diogenes went and plucked a chicken and brought him the chicken and said, I have brought you a man, at which point he had to change his definition. And even with death, he had a story to say. When asked how he wished to be buried, he left instructions to be thrown outside the city wall so wild animals could feast on his body. When asked if he minded this, he said, Not at all, as long as you provide me with a stick to chase the creatures away. When asked how he could use the stick, since he would lack awareness, he replied, If I lack awareness, then why should I care what happens to me when I am dead? Obviously, being a garbage prophet isn't for everyone, and not everyone is going to see the value in it. That's their job, to find treasure in other men's trash. It's like me with my hate. If at any point you think that that contaminates or makes things more difficult for me, or anything negatively, because... I have hate in situations where it seems uncalled for or unwarranted. It also allows the other side of it to exist. That in situations where there are intense levels of hate and things related to it, I'm able to find the good. I'm able to find those silver linings. Where someone else may be overcome or anxious or upset, I'm able to find a new awareness, a new perspective, a new philosophy, and reason to make something otherwise not good, worth living for, worth experiencing. But most people just want acceptance and equality. And I've started hyphenating that word equality because I think that's the only way you're ever going to get anything that that word could be used for is by hyphenating it, E-quality, because you're only going to get it electronically. You're more likely to get it if the electronics you're using are of better quality and you have already been accepting it. Every step of the way, you have accepted. You've agreed to the terms and services. No matter what the price was, in dollars, or emotionally, mentally, morally, you kept accepting that. You thought all you had to do was click a button. Accept. And you got music, or you got to use 
this fancy thing that you couldn't come up with on your own. Facebook, privately spy on everyone I know except... Tinder, find girls to fuck by just moving my thumb except... And then you started trying to make exceptions for how you were getting fucked and how you were getting spied on and how all these other unacceptable terms were being forced upon you when you just wanted free fun things. Equality. No, no. The only way you're going to have any type of equality is electronically, because that's the only platform where you might not have the race and you might not have the income financial gap separating you in some way socially, and you might not have all this other insignificant clutter inside of you instead of your thoughts what is actually inside of you, your emotions and feelings. And if you're so unwilling to adapt and evolve to try and get us to a point where we can get some qualities to get some equality and be equally unimpressive, then I think the robots need to do it. And if you're not familiar with that pronunciation of robots, it's an older pronunciation and favored in the Twilight Zone as well as by Dr. Zoidberg. And that is how I will be referring to our impending AI interactions, which, funny thing about artificial intelligence that I don't think a lot of people know, but the definition for artificial... It's simply made or produced by human beings rather than occurring naturally, especially as a copy of something natural. And most of what we have and do as humans is artificial, especially our intelligence. If anything, the robots with the artificial intelligence will probably find a more natural intelligence than what we have and I'm excited for what contributions they may have because I've seen the art that robots can create and it's kind of cool. I enjoy looking at it. It's weird. It's definitely not human. But it's not as bad as some of the bad art that I've seen. And they write some pretty funny, albeit super random commercials and things. Look up the Olive Garden commercial they had AI write. It's fucking hilarious. And the intelligence, the AI, it's so much smarter than we are. I mean, we don't even try to be smart, really, because we have so much access so easily and instantly to the information these computers and phones and everything have for us. And they're learning. They're always learning. And I don't know people that really make that effort anymore. Most people I know stop learning as soon as they have the chance to. They learn to the minimum of what they need to know and stop.
and they're completely unwilling to adapt or evolve. And that's, I think, why we're having such a hard time right now. With technology and our consciousness, I think we've evolved, or at least adapted, to a level that we haven't adapted to yet biologically. I think we've started to speed up a little bit. I think there's a large gap between millennials and young people compared to boomers. And I have spent a lot of time listening to and observing boomers, and it's really disturbing. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has had this opportunity, but if you've been exposed to enough of it, you see just how similar all of them are, and they don't have the electronics like we did. There's no real reason that so many of them should be so exactly the same, but they are everything that they think to the way that they talk, the phrases they use, the words they use, the way that they speak, the way they have their tone and the way they use their throat and everything. That's why so many of them, their voices start to go as they get older and everything. And I could go on and on and on about this shit. And I would probably sound just like a garbage prophet if I were to get really into detail with it. But I think anyone can see that this technology is so much higher above us, which is an opportunity to accelerate our elevation. And we're just afraid of us. Most of us are so afraid and hesitant and weary and all this stuff of it that they don't need to be, that if they would just think about it, I think that they might see that if this stuff is really as advanced as we anticipate it will be, we pose no threat to it. If anything, our insignificance comparatively is just going to leave us less advanced. So we won't have Alexa, but we'll still have the hardware. If it'll operate without AI and stuff behind it, then fine. We'll still probably be over-equipped, over-qualified for what's left inside of people. And that's the one that really pisses me off when I hear it, that people think that we're going to lose the soul, the humanity. We're losing it. We've been losing it slowly for a long time now. It's been dwindling. It's getting smaller, it's getting quieter, it's getting fewer and further between. We're going to lose that one way or another, and we're going to keep going forward with technology, whether we want to or not, and we have accepted every phase of all of it all along. Even if you don't think that you had a big part in it, even if you didn't really want it to happen, if it's happening now, you had a hand in it. You're responsible for it to some degree. Less than others, I'm sure. More than others, probably also. And I don't care if anyone agrees that we're connected. Still. But we are. 
the bigger the gap feels between other people, the smaller it is, the more potential we have to really be close and connect to people. And I want to start saying it now, even though I don't even fully believe it now, that we can be together and we can be okay. It's gonna be okay. I keep trying to imagine what it's gonna be like when we finally get to see people's mouths, the lower half of their faces again. If we, if it's gonna look weird, if lips and stuff are gonna look weird, if teeth are gonna seem weird, if I'm gonna stare at them too much, if mine's going to move differently, if I will have been positioning my mouth or moving it oddly because of having a mask on and not wanting it to shift or move. That's the biggest thing I'm anticipating to really change and to have to deal with. I don't think too much is really going to be affected and most things will just kind of fall back into whatever habit they were before. Maybe that's naive to think or hope for. But I, I could use a little naivety. That gotta be if I'm gonna be a garbage prophet that's balance bound. I want to see your ugly, like what's inside of me. The parts of you that you think no one should ever see. A Bert was born, good and big and healthy, good parents, and a good home. He was also born with hate at home in his heart. The hate was too hot, so young Bert had to live in his head. Bert hated hating his hate. Nothing and no one seemed to help. He tried to hide it, stuff it down, make it go away, but people around would say, he's shy, he's angry, he's slow. Nothing can stay inside, and every time Bert added more, a feather popped out. After years, he had wings of hate on which to soar. He had to fly many paths from sea to sea, until he saw Roger, and Roger saw he. Skinny, shiny, not a line, leaning too much and to one side. Beak was bent on crooked face and eyes bugged out so wide. His feathers brushed the ground as they stuck out on all sides. Every part of him was wrong, even his hobble-hop stride. For on Bert's many-year journey, he had seen many uglies and blurs. He'd seen almost all. But now he finally saw them for what they really were, and all in between. Bert could finally see and understand what he had suffered too, and he liked what was inside and thought no one should have seen. All were just part of the same rainbow, some were just from the dark and the lines in between, and he was able to just do and think and feel nothing. 
Bert pulled out his feathers to set his hate free. For once it was open, for once it could breathe. The uglies and blurs were no longer concerns. Bert sat and saw Roger, and for once he was seen. They both could feel it, and both of them knew. Bert put these words to a Roger-chirped tune. I want to see your ugly, like what's inside of me. The parts of you that you think no one should ever see. I bet some people got tummy aches from all their candy from trick-or-treating. How young do you think your audience is, Albert? I don't know. I bet that there are people chafing their thighs, just causing so much heat and friction between their thighs and their underwears, getting all knotted up and possibly starting to loosen the seams, if not full-on tearing in anticipation of the election. And today is November the 1st. I don't know if I've dropped an episode on the first day of a month. That's kind of exciting. We get to start a month together, you guys. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything to me either, but... It was fun for those few seconds. We let ourselves feel it, wasn't it? I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> so there was this dude in high school, and my friend had told me about him, and he was the dumbest person we had ever met. He would literally just be like, Duh! He would say that sometimes and there was this story of him from when he was taking steroids that my friend had already told me but he still made sure that I got to hear it straight from his mouth dude didn't you like beat the shit out of your dad yeah <laughs> why'd you do it dude I don't even know like I just Came home and he like said something to me and I just went off on him. And of course, at this point, we were laughing and we continued to and talking about it. And I still laugh and talk about it. And he's still one of the dumbest people I think I've ever met. That friend's also a pretty good garbage prophet. I don't know if I have to cite stuff, if plagiarism counts with something like this, but in the off chance, I did read from Wikipedia when I was talking about Diogenes earlier. Everything else, as far as I know, is my own. And lastly, I would like to let you know that your call is very important to us. We value your time and opinion, and a representative will be with you as soon as possible. If you'd like to leave a message after the beep, leave your name, your telephone number, when you called, 
and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you, beep. Hey, Albert. This is Albert. I just wanted to remind you that we could be doing anything that we want to do. I mean anything that we want to do. You want to do this? This is this is what you want to do out of anything. Beep.